Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, as we continue here in our Acts series, Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. Hear God's word as I read it out. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is God's word for us this morning. Amen. Well, let me invite you to keep uh, your Bibles open to that passage that uh, Eric just read for us so well. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Ruth and Josh, for leading us uh, in worship this morning. I want to speak to you uh, today about growing up in lockdown. Here we are, we're in lockdown, and uh, in the kind of situation that we are all facing, I suspect it's easy for us to feel as if our spiritual life uh, at least is going to stagnate. At best, we can survive. Uh, Perhaps it might even decline. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is uh, how we can be a part of growing up spiritually even in the midst of lockdown. And uh, to do that, I want to introduce you to a concept from this passage that I'm calling this morning the drama of spiritual growth. The drama of spiritual growth. See, there's a certain pattern to spiritual growth. We tend to think of spiritual growth as uh, like a line on a graph that starts here and then just smoothly goes up. And that, that's how we tend to think of spiritual growth. When things are easy, we'll, we'll grow more quickly. That, that's our natural tendency to lean towards that kind of idea of spiritual growth. But actually, that's not how it works. There is a drama to spiritual growth. There's a pattern to spiritual growth. And even in the, uh, the difficult times, especially in the difficult times, The Bible says suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Spiritual growth, growing up in uh, in the midst of lockdown through the drama of of spiritual growth. There is a a dramatic pattern. Now, we look at this passage here. We think that it's uh, the traditional thing is here it is. It's about the deacons and uh, in church life. And there's an element to to it that is about that but it's about far more than that 
Uh, the person I think who grasped this best was John Bunyan. John Bunyan, who wrote uh, the, uh, the famous book Pilgrim's Progress, described there this, this drama of spiritual growth. There's Christian, and he's told to look to yonder wicked gate, and he can't quite see it, but he can see the light beyond it. And so he begins this, this drama, this, this narrative of, of spiritual growth. And he goes through the slough despond, and there's the doubting castle, and then there's vanity fair, and all these challenges. But through it all, there's the drama of spiritual growth. And that is what this passage here uh, this morning is, is teaching us and what I'm going to be teaching us uh, from, from this passage. And the three elements to this, to this drama here that uh, we're going to find in this passage. And uh, the first is conflict. And then we're going to look at resolution. And then uh, finally fulfillment. Conflict, resolution, fulfillment, the drama of, uh, of spiritual growth. So first of all, conflict. So this is verse 1. Uh, Luke, in, uh, in uh, this story here, he's describing how there's great trouble before the passage in, uh, that we just have read out, great trouble from outside, there's persecution, and now he's going to describe trouble from within. It's, it's conflict. It's part of this drama of spiritual growth. So verse 1, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, the passage is all about increase. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint, here's the conflict, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Here's the conflict. Now, very wisely, Luke's reflecting how the early church not only recognized that there was a conflict, but clearly defined it. And if we're to move through difficulty, trouble, conflict, whether from outside, uh, trouble, lockdown, or from inside, the the conflict that perhaps it, uh, it produces or reveals from within about our own personalities, our relationships with those that we're locked down with, if we're to move through that, we need not only to recognize that there is conflict, difficulty, we need to clearly define it. And they define this conflict in this verse in, in very, very uh, precisely and in, in three ways. First of all, they, de- they define it by uh, the circumstances. So the circumstances are these in this conflict. Now, these days, when the disciples were increasing, that, that's, that, that, those are the circumstances. Uh, there's increase, there's growth. And with increased growth comes increased complexity and uh, an increased likelihood of a particular group of the church will feel overlooked or undermined or unappreciated. And uh, that, 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 those are the circumstances. That's not the cause of the conflict, but it is, it is the circ- those are the circumstances. And it's good to recognize that when you're in lockdown, when you're out of your natural pattern, there are things that just a change and you're not you're not used to what's going on in the same way and it's it's different and it it doesn't feel the same and the circumstances can generate or at least um, exacerbate make worse tendencies that perhaps would have been continued to be hidden otherwise and so with this increased growth uh, those are the circumstances that uh, make worse this this conflict 
So there's the conflict. It's part of the drama of spiritual growth. And they're defining the conflict in three ways, the circumstances. Uh, but, but then there's also history. <laughs> Whenever there's conflict, there's almost always a history to it. And uh, here there was certainly a history to it. So they say, uh, in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. So there's the history. So in, in the early church in those days, uh, the Hellenists were a group of largely speaking Jewish people, though not only Jewish people, some of other nationalities as well. You'll see at uh, the end of the passage when it gets to uh, verse uh, 5, it talks about Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. So Nicolaus was not ethnically Jewish, um, but was part of the Hellenist group, as we'll see in just a moment. And uh, in chapter, chapter 11, uh, when it comes to the church at Antioch, in chapter 11, verses 19 and 20, it describes how, first of all, they spoke the word of God only to Jewish people. And then after verse 20, it says, they, when they came to Antioch, they spoke also to the Hellenists, meaning non-Jewish people. So the Hellenists were sometimes Jewish people, but sometimes non-Jewish people, those from other ethnic groups, but they were characterized by their association with, their assimilation to, their reflection of Hellenistic culture. And Hellenistic culture was the Greek culture of the uh, Alexandrian Empire that then had influenced the Roman Empire. They spoke Greek. They thought in Greek terms. They probably did things that, that uh, the Greek culture would have viewed as normal, like going to the gymnasium and perhaps got involved with wrestling and maybe uh, dabbled in the philosophy of Greek culture. They were Hellenists. And there was a history of, of, um, of conflict between these two groups. The Hellenists thought and felt this way. But then there were also the Hebrews, now, of course, the Hebrews were entirely Jewish. Some of the Hellenists were Jewish, some were not. The Hebrews were entirely Jewish, but they thought and spoke in Hebrew terms. So they spoke uh, probably using uh, the uh, Aramaic language, the, the, the dialect of the Semitic language, the Aramaic language. They probably spoke in Aramaic. Uh, they, they thought in Hebrew terms. They thought in Hebrew culture. There's a whole history behind it. Every time you're in a conflict and you're not quite sure why it's, you know, why there's an emotion to it. Look at the history. I remember one time when I was sitting down uh, with a leader of a, a large institution, a large organization. He was describing a particular conflict in that organization that he was head of. And I, I said to him, it doesn't make sense to me that these two groups are so annoyed. He said, well, you've got to understand the history. 20 years ago, and then he described the event that took place. Like 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. Sometimes 100 years ago. There's a history to it. And in marriage, often when there's conflict, there's a history to it. Something happened on a honeymoon. The in-laws said something or did something. And, and it's an emotional piece that's at the back of the mind that exacerbates, worsens, gives fuel uh, to the conflict. Well, they define it. They define it by the circumstances. Uh, they, uh, they define it by the history, and then they define it by the, the bone of contention, the actual thing that they're arguing and complaining about. And that, of course, is, uh, they say here, because, this is what the complaint is about, because their widows were being neglected 
in the daily distribution. So in those days, uh, widows who couldn't otherwise provide for themselves within the church were provided a fund and food so that they were provided for. And the complaint was that the widows from the Hellenistic group were being overlooked in the distribution. And you can just imagine the, the conflict that would emerge from that because of the the circumstances, increased growth, increased complexity, the history to it is the Hellenists against the Hebrews, and it's the widows, it's the relatives, it's, it's, it's someone you're close to, it's, it's people you care about are not getting what you feel like they deserve to get. And so that's the conflict. Now, it'd be easy to say, oh, what a disaster. What is God doing? Why am I in this kind of conflict? But actually, there's a drama to spiritual growth. And God uses this conflict to do something amazing. And he can use the trouble that perhaps you're facing in lockdown to do something amazing in your life. But the first step is to define it. Try and write down in one sentence on a piece of paper what it is that is this internal conflict that you're feeling, conflict with someone else, and define it by the circumstances, the history, and the actual thing, the actual bone of contention. So the drama of of spiritual growth, and first we have conflict, but then we have, and this is just brilliant what they do, then we have resolution. So we can get to fulfillment in a moment, but first of all, resolution. So conflict, resolution, and this drama of spiritual growth. And it's just brilliant what they do. It goes from verses 2 to 6. Listen to what they do to bring resolution uh, to this conflict. Verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. Remember, non-Jewish Hellenists, and we'll see why they're Hellenists in a moment. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. This is, this is resolution. And what they do... <laughs> It's just brilliant. And three parts to what they do. First of all, they clarify the roles. What role each part in this team is meant to be playing. You know, often when there's conflict, there's role confusion. Like, is, whose job is this? Who's responsible for this? Which role am I meant to play in this drama? of spiritual growth, and they clarify the roles. And what they do is that the the apostles say, look, our role is preaching the word of God and prayer. Our role is not um, serving tables, and the word there for tables means dinner tables, referring to the the distribution of of food. And, of course, behind that is money, which is often, often the source of conflict in so many relationships. But they're saying that's not our role. We're, we're, We're about the word of God and prayer. And, uh, and so, but there, this problem does need to be taken care of. So we need to clarify whose role it is. And uh, they set aside um, these uh, seven men, uh, full of spirit and wisdom. And uh, they, they, set, they say they're going to be set aside for the ministry 
of tables. And it's a clarification of roles. It's a little hidden in the English translations, but when, when the apostles talk about their ministry of the word of prayer, of the word and prayer, and they talk about uh, the, these seven men who have a ministry uh, to tables, <laughs> the word ministry there is actually the same word for serving. And from that we get the word deacon. And actually, the, what the apostles are saying is we have a, a serving of word and prayer and these other men are going to have a serving of, uh, of tables. Now, they still report up to the apostles. It's a delegated responsibility. But it's a brilliant division uh, of, of roles, a clarity of, of, of roles. Now, from this, of course, comes uh, the appointment of deacons in the, in the early church as they went towards uh, that structure. Um, but, 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 in, but in essence, what's being said here, and this does then reflect on the role of deacons, is that the, the diaconal role here is, in essence, a delegated uh, responsibility to take care of that which otherwise would become a bone of contention, otherwise would become a source of complaint or conflict. And that practical thing, and people argue, you know, classically in church life, we'll say people argue about the color of the carpet, you know, or they, they argue about the buildings, or uh, they, they, they argue about the distribution of the food. And, and, and so the diaconal role is to take care of those things in church life that otherwise would be sources of argument to move towards unity. So the diaconal role is actually a unifying role in the church. These things that otherwise people would argue about, we're going to take care of them, make sure it's done fairly and equitably and according to biblical principles. Men full of the spirit and wisdom so they know how to do that. So that then there's increased unity. So first of all, to, to move towards resolution, they clarify the roles, but then they pursue a ministry of reconciliation. And this, as I say, is just brilliant. So w- what they do, is not only do they have men appointed who are filled with the spirit and wisdom, so they're godly people, they're savvy, they know how to administer things, they're practically inclined, but also filled with the spirit, they're prayerful and and Christ-like and and spiritually minded as well. That combination for this kind of practical task in the church is always critically important, not one or the other, but both, filled with the spirit and wisdom. Not only do they do that, they appoint men who are all Hellenists. So every single one of these uh, early uh, deacons, these, these, the, the seven who are appointed by the church, they all have Greek names. They're all from the Hellenist group. And why do they do that? They're pursuing a ministry of reconciliation. This is the group that's complaining, and therefore they're going to have appointed people from that group so there can be no, no one can ever think there's any kind of funny sleight of hand or you know, that my widow's being overlooked because it's people from that group who are now uh, doing the administration of the, uh, the daily distribution. It's just brilliant. It's a ministry of reconciliation. It's not, not, a, not just tokenism. It's symbolic and practical. People from that group are elevated no one can think that that group's been marginalized anymore. And they're given the authority to get on and do something as they pursue this ministry of reconciliation. So they clarify roles. 
They pursue a ministry reconciliation. This is all how the conflict is resolved. They clarify roles. They pursue this ministry reconciliation. And then, this is the third thing they do. As I say, I think it's brilliant. They're given release. Roles, reconciliation, release. So here's verse 6. These they set before the apostles, and they, that is the apostles, prayed and laid their hands on them. You know, there's nothing more frustrating or there may be something more frustrating, but there are a few things more frustrating than being given a task but not being given the tools to do it. And here the apostles say, now, he, he, these are the guys. They're going to solve this problem. Uh, we've clarified roles. They're, they're reporting up to us. We're the apostles, but they're going to take care of these tables we have our own serving. We're, we're, we're deacons of the word of, and prayer. We're servants of the word and prayer. These are servants of tables. Now we're going to release. And they're going to therefore be able to pursue the ministry of reconciliation. Now, say you're in a conflict at home. Or you're sensing an internal conflict. You've got questions. Why has this happened to me? Why, wh- why has my salary declined? Or why is my job under threat? Where is God? This is conflict. And what you've got to do is define it first of all, but then move towards resolution. Clarify roles. At this moment, maybe your greatest calling is, as the psalm puts it, be still and know that God is God. To be humble and childlike and say, Lord, I commit to you. Commit your way to the Lord, and he will make your path straight. Your role is not divine. <laughs> we know that, of course, but how we want to grasp hold of, the, of the, the levers, the controls of destiny. Right now, they're clearly out of our grasp. Be still and know that God is God. He will be exalted. His name will be praised. You clarify roles. And then if you have a conflict, perhaps, with um, your wife or your spouse, your children, someone else in your relationship with, move towards reconciliation. Have the humility. Have the good grace to accede to them, just like these early leaders did. You know, what we're going to do about these Hellenists who are complaining, we're gonna, we're gonna, they're going to appoint leaders from that group. They're all Hellenists. They can take care of it. Now they're filled with the spirit and wisdom. They're not the grumblers. <laughs> they're godly people. But they are people who are recognized and honored uh, by that group. Maximum wisdom. And then they release them. Go to it. It's going to take time. This is going to take a while to be sorted out, of course. It's not going to be an overnight fix. But now we know who's responsible. And they've been released to do it, to pursue this ministry of reconciliation. So there's all the drama of spiritual growth. You know, we can so often think that when, when we're in lockdown, there's no possibility for spiritual growth. No, that's not how God works. Right in the midst of suffering can grow perseverance. And with perseverance can grow character. And with character can grow hope. The drama of spiritual growth. Well, there's one uh, final step to it. We've had conflict resolution, and now we have fulfillment. And this is verse 7. And uh, you remember the circumstances were spiritual growth, the the, the growth numbers. It says, verse 1, Now in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, and that 
that's those circumstances were that, that was the environment that created the complexity in which this conflict uh, was produced much down much like the lockdown that many of us perhaps uh, us are wrestling with I'm sure are wrestling with but now in verse 7 having gone through the drama of spiritual growth now now the now the spiritual growth is is back on track verse 7 and the word of god continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith they walked through this this pattern this narrative pattern, this biblical pattern, this pattern that Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress identified, this drama of, of, of spiritual growth. On the other side, there's fulfillment. And what happens is there's increase in, in three particular ways. First of all, um, the word of God continued to increase. So there's, there's increase in proclamation of the gospel. Well, there's no surprise to that, is there? Of course. Now the energy is not being used for internal conflict or conflict between people. Now that energy can be turned towards the proclamation of the gospel. And so there's increase in proclamation. There's more, there's more preaching. There's more biblical books, books uh, Christian books being written. There's, there's more, there's more uh, 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 proclamation of the gospel. But not only that. There's also increase in discipleship. It says the number of the disciples multiply greatly in Jerusalem. These are not just notional believers. These are people who are disciples. They're learning. They're in small groups. They're in adult communities. They're committed to their, uh, their, their youth group, their, their, their Sunday school class. They're, they're reading the Bible. They're, they're studying scripture. They're, they're, they're going online and searching. You know, I've had people recently texting me saying, like, I'm just so into scripture now. I've got time. And isn't the Bible amazing? Like, now the number of disciples is increasing. Not just notional believers, disciples. Because the energy isn't used for all this, this conflict stuff. And then not only is there uh, increase in proclamation and discipleship, but also in evangelism. And it says there at the end of verse 7, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Oh, why, why does Luke um, uh, specify, bring out particularly the priests? Like why, does he, why does he identify them? I think for two reasons. It's all part of the drama of spiritual growth. Partly the priests were almost certainly the, the hardest to reach group. So, so if the priests are now becoming Christians, then there's a real work of God for the priests, for them. It's like a great number of the priests. Wow, God must be at work. It's partly for that reason. And it's also because Luke throughout these early chapters is contrasting the work of God in the New Testament church with the Old Testament, with, with the temple, which had become moribund and had declined and become merely Pharisaic, religious and legalistic and, and hadn't embraced the drama of spiritual growth. And now the movement of God is with this early New Testament church, the, the, the church that we're reading about in these, these early chapters of Acts. And so the priests those that God is at work in, even they are now joining the new, the new temple, the early uh, New Testament church. So it's all about the drama of spiritual growth. Conflict. And you've got to define the conflict maybe in just uh, one, one, one statement. The circumstances, the history, the bone of contention. The, uh, and resolution. Uh, you can clarify roles. 
pursue a ministry reconciliation and then release, like get on with it, pursue that ministry reconciliation. And then uh, fulfillment, there's increase in the proclamation of the gospel, in discipleship and in, even in evangelism. You know, I remember uh, one man who came to me who was in conflict. He was in conflict with a number of people in his life. And as uh, over, over some time we sat down together and talked about it, it became apparent that the conflict that he was in with other people was merely a symptom the real conflict, I mean, those are real conflicts, but the, the conflict that generated those conflicts with other people was a conflict within. When he was honest with me, there was so, so many, so much confusion within. He was conflicted about his parents, about his friends, about what he was really meant to do with his life. That's conflict. And so we, we, and we explored that. And then it became clear that, that, that even that conflict, you know, so much of secular culture stops there. It's like the external conflict is a symptom of the internal conflict. But actually, that conflict was merely a symptom too. Symptom of a conflict with God. Why God would you do this with me? Why God did you allow this to happen? And ultimately he felt guilt over things that he had done that he should not have done. And so there was conflict. It's like, I'm, I'm in a black pit. I can't get out of it. Once the, records, once the realization of the, 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 these external conflicts, he wanted a quick fix. You know, how do I get along with X, Y, and Z? Well, let's talk about what's really going on here. Once, once you realize that really, that's an inter, and the internal conflict is only a symptom of the conflict with God, like, I, now I'm in a pit. Huh. The drama of spiritual growth. It's a pattern in the Bible. And Bunyan saw it. Like uh, J.I. Packer said, he said, once you realize that the great business of life is knowing God, all of life's other problems diminish. And through that drama of spiritual growth, spiritual, spiritual growth, the conflict led to resolution, to fulfillment. It's repentance and faith. It's death and then life. It's the drama of the cross. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Right now, we can be growing up in lockdown as we pursue the drama of spiritual growth. Oh, Lord God, we do pray that would be true uh, for all of us. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, be much at work uh, to your glory in, uh, in this church. We pray, Lord, that we would be a church that um, when there are conflicts and Confusions. We, we move towards uh, solving them just like the early church did so that we can get the energy back on track around um, proclamation of the gospel and discipleship and evangelism and all these things that the church is meant to be about. And we, I praise you, Lord, that we are that kind of church and we, we focus on proclaiming the gospel. And I thank you for it. Please keep us that way. But I also pray, Lord, for all of us as we face the, the ongoing pressure of isolation 
and lockdown, that you would do something remarkable in each of our hearts. That you, by your sovereign power, Holy Spirit, you would reshape us and retune us so that when we emerge, uh, we would emerge having gone through perhaps a little bit of drama, but through it is spiritual growth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.